Drinks, food, art, fun. This is Hops and Spirits Kentucky. Welcome in. Another week has rolled on and we've got a fun one for you this week here on the podcast. We talk with Bourbon Women, the organization. It's really cool and you won't want to miss our conversation with Heather Wibbles and Peggy No Stevens, two uh, folks doing some amazing work in the industry. Uh, but before we get to that, let's get to what's pouring in Kentucky, our news and notes for the week. And we'll start in the bourbon world. As Barrelcraft Spirits recently purchased a historic rickhouse in Shively, Kentucky, the five-story, nearly 90,000-square-foot rickhouse can house more than 17,500 barrels. Uh, Barrelcraft Spirits purchased the rickhouse for just over $2.4 million from Angel's Envy, which has owned the building since 2013. The rickhouse was built originally in 1940 as part of the old Yellowstone Distillery campus. Uh, some sad news in Lexington. The Southern Deadly and Tavern, located there on South Limestone, announced it's closing after three years in business. Uh, Southern Deadly and its social media posts said it opened its doors only, quote, only a few months before the pandemic started and the current economic climate hasn't been redeeming to our industry. It is with these conditions that we have made the difficult decision to close our doors permanently. Um, in other news, uh, some new things are coming, or some things are on the move in Lexington. The former Postmaster's Pub on West Short Street there was recently purchased at auction. Uh, the new owner said they plan to open Ruby's Market and Cafe, uh, a neighborhood bodega, on the first floor, and then reopen the upstairs bar. Um, hopefully, the uh, Ruby's Market will be up and at it in the spring. And the Twisted Cork, a unique combo of a liquor store, bar, and music venue is moving to Burt Road in Lexington in early March. And last but not least here on What's Pouring, West Six recently announced its new collaboration beer with Western Kentucky University, dubbed 1906 Lager. The lager will be made exclusively for WKU uh, for its fans uh, and uh, be used exclusively at events there. They're not the first ones, though. Last fall, Country Boy and Marshall University over in West Virginia partnered on a new brew named Herd Country Lager, and Dreaming Creek down in Richmond also created the 1874 Blonde Ale, which is the official beer of EKU. It's really cool to see what all these breweries here in Kentucky are doing to support uh, local initiatives. And up next, it's our Q&A with Heather Wibbles and Peggy No Stevens to talk about the wonderful organization known as Bourbon Women. Enjoy. Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here for our Q&A on Hops and Spirits Kentucky are two women who are doing some cool things and are part of a cool organization in the bourbon world. While it's all over the world, it is based technically here in Kentucky. So please welcome in the Managing Director of Bourbon Women, and you might know her also as Cocktail Contessa, Heather Wibbles. Thank you. So great to be here. And she is the founder of Bourbon Women, but she has a long list of other accolades as well, from being the first ever woman master bourbon taster. She's a Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame member. She's an author. She even runs her own uh, consulting business, uh, Peggy No Stevens and Associates. So welcome in, Peggy. Hello, Jonathan. <laughs> you both seem to have a little bit going on these days or so, it seems. Um, and I always like to start these off with kind of what I call the Cliff Notes version. Don't go too far into everything, but that overarching theme of a little bit about yourselves. 
Sure, Heather, you want to start? Uh, sure. So, I mean, I I also have, so my name is Heather Wibbles. I am the Managing Director of Bourbon Women, which means I get to talk about bourbon and work with women all the time and promote that across the country, which is lots of fun. And Cliff Notes, besides that, I'm also an author. I had a book come out last year, Bourbon is My Comfort Food also has information in it about bourbon women as well. So that in itself is sort of a quick encapsulation of who I am and what I do. And again, I'm Peggy No Stevens. I'm a master bourbon taster. I've had over 30 years experience in the uh, hospitality industry, food and beverage spirits, and everything that you read title-wise is just kind of the storybook. You know, of my life. And so I do all things bourbon. Of course, bourbon women is my love uh, and passion because that was something that really started with an idea a long, long time ago. And great people like Heather brought it to life. I can't well, that, take any credit. You started it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's a, it's an amazing organization and we'll get into that here in a second. And for those that don't know, Heather's a, a couple times guest. We talked about her book, uh, Bourbon is My Comfort Food back in the summer. And and Peggy's technically a, a, a second time guest, maybe not on this show, but one of the other other podcasts when, with her and Susan and her book uh, that came out um, a while back as well. So, you know, it's good to see you both. Uh, but for those that may not have listened to those episodes, I guess I'll start with Peggy. How did you get into the bourbon world? Because um, I'm guessing when you did, it wasn't maybe as seen as very male dominated, which it still is to a degree. Although um, as folks that know anything know that women had a major role in the bourbon industry for a long time. Well, I mean, technically I fell into it. Uh, in a sense, because I grew up in Kentucky, right? And Kentucky was always known for bourbon. My mother, you know, did whiskey sours, highballs. Uh, my father always had bourbon at the bar, the big Jim Beam decanters during the holidays, eggnog during the holidays with bourbon. And, you know, so I really kind of grew up in that spirit of entertaining and, and bourbon. But technically speaking, it was after college. Uh, I went into the hotel business, actually. Some people don't know that I actually started my whole career in hotel and worked in food and beverage and catering and learned all aspects of wine and spirits. And then I was headhunted by Brown Foreman uh, years later, and I was starting up an event planning and tourism department. And little by little, after 17 years, you know, I evolved into marketing positions like Woodford Reserve, Jack Daniels became a master bourbon taster, and then 15 years ago, started my own company, Peggy No Stevens and Associates, and I work with all the big boy brands and also craft brands on strategy, experiential marketing, uh, and that's been a ton of fun. And then, of course, Bourbon Women came along the way, uh, and that's brought me here today. I'm now a, a whiskey reviewer for American Whiskey Magazine. I judge spirits at different competitions like the Ascot Awards and Tales of the Cocktail. Uh, so I, I really just have a genuine passion and do projects I like to do. <laughs> well, and, and you touched on it, you know, everything kind of led you to bourbon women in, in some sort. What what pushed you to, to launch that um, when, when you did and, and why? Well, I think it was really when I was in marketing uh, for Brown Foreman, because I worked on you know, some really major brands and target market back in those days um, were pretty much, you know, white male, you know, in between certain ages. 
and there wasn't, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're prime time, Jonathan, by the way, you're like prime time market. Uh, but at the same time, I just felt like we were missing an opportunity for the other half of the population. I knew I loved bourbon. I knew my girlfriends loved bourbon, but we weren't really having a conversation with women uh, about the product. And I did several events, you know, during that time, just very small, dip your toe in the water. And they were overwhelming when the women would show up. They loved food pairings. They loved talking about bourbon and, you know, even talking about how their father drank it or their mother drank it. And, and so I knew that it was real and authentic. So when I started my own company, the industry still had not moved along uh, in having that conversation. And so I spoke to several girlfriends uh, and people in the industry over Manhattans and said, we've got to do something about this. Why don't we just start our own um, association? And, you know, the association was really not built about me necessarily. It was about women in general. I always like to say that one of us is not as smart as all of us. And so that's why I kind of handpicked people to serve on a board. We became a 501c6 so that we could help with legislative issues in the industry. And we weren't considered a cute little drinking club because that's not exactly what we were about. You know, we were about education. We were about the advancement of women and to build a whole platform to help the industry talk to women. Because uh, in, in that time as well, in overtime, I think that we've kind of debunked the myth that women have to have sweeter, lighter, lower proof, um, you know, more approachable and friendly, you know, whiskey when through our studies have found quite the opposite. We like spicier, more robust and higher proof products. And so I think it's been like a hand in glove with the industry. They have supported us unbelievably so. And especially, and I'll let Heather talk about our annual conference. We have 400 women come in, you know, for an entire weekend just to talk about bourbon, you know, so um, we've just seen great things and great advancement and now even have our own foundation to help women with scholarships. Well, and Heather, you're, you're now part of it at all, but before I even get into kind of your role and, and what you're, you're able to do, how did you, um, you know, stumble into bourbon women? How did you get involved in, in, in how did all that come about? I, I lassoed her. She then, did. It's all I, Peggy's fault. I just went like that and lassoed her in. She drug me in. Um, I, the first, very first event I went was um, a book event with Fred Minnick's Whiskey Women and um, Jimmy Russell and Jaretta were there. Um, Joy Perini was there serving cocktails. Molly Wellman was there in the audience. Um, Peggy was there and your, um, your professional presence book, you had that there as well. I think that was oh, one of the giveaways that night. Yeah. And so I went there with my best friend. It was at the Filson club in Louisville, which is this gorgeous mansion, Joy Perini, who has passed away since, but is huge, huge developer of bourbon cocktails and the bourbon cocktail Renaissance, especially in Louisville handed us oh. cocktails and it, we were sunk. We, we went to basically every bourbon women event since then, unless we happen to be out of the country, we still go to every thing. Um, but from there, I really got involved with attending all the different events that we had, because when you go to a room full of women and you sip whiskey, it's magical. It's completely different 
from sipping whiskey in a room that combines men and women, or a lot of times is mostly men, quite frankly. Um, this was in 2013, 14. So a lot's changed since then, even now. But yeah, so that's how I got started. Um, I became really involved in the organization, served on the board, um, developed con cocktail content for the organization as well, and then was on the board and chaired it for a year. And then the position came open to work for the organization itself as managing director. And it's amazing. It's, I love it. I, it is something I'm passionate about, which is bringing bourbon to women and women to bourbon because we need to improve both, you know? So that's, that's sort of how I stepped into it just over time. So I like Peggy, I do cocktail classes. Well, she probably doesn't do cocktail classes, but I do cocktail classes and bourbon tastings and help with judging where needed and create content for brands or for, you know, for bourbon women itself, just so we can make sure we're, we're on top of things. And, you know, Jonathan, I, I have to add one thing to it. I think when people think, okay, women as a demographic, you know, we kind of have to get away from the demographics in a sense. We think that part of our tremendous success is that we thought about the psychographics, you know, of how women think and what they're asking for and how they want to be spoken to and, um, you know, all that surrounds what they enjoy, you know, soft adventure, culinary, uh, you know, a night out with the girls. Um, and so I think that's where we've been successful is to connect all of the psychographics, you know, with their genuine spirit, um, no pun intended. Uh, and it has just been a, a, a camaraderie that I can't even, I would have never predicted when we first started. And now we're in what, 16 cities formally? We have 16 um, branches. Yeah. And, and what's so interesting is that when we go to different branches, or even when we're just talking with different branches, the overwhelming feeling about the organization isn't that it's the bourbon, it's the women. They are so happy to be in a room with other women who are either professional women, really passionate about whiskey, want to learn, want to experience new things, that they're in a room with a bunch of people that they can talk to, even if they don't have anything in common except for bourbon. They've got that. And they're just, yeah. it's, we just have so many interesting members that have so many fun stories, some connected with whiskey, some not, and getting to know the people in the room. It's, it's, I, you could call it professional networking, but honestly, it's just fun because you have a glass of bourbon in your hand and you create these relationships <laughs> with women that you otherwise wouldn't know. And they're lifetime friendships or, you know, they become your colleagues. It's, it's amazing. Well, and, and for those that are unfamiliar, how, how does someone get involved uh, with, with bourbon, bourbon women? We have on our website, bourbonwomen.org. The very first thing you see is a picture of a bunch of us in a rickhouse with a join us button. And so you can just click, uh, click on the join us button and uh, join us and get a membership. And we have different types of membership, single year, multi-year membership. We even have lifetime memberships. There are some people who are so passionate about bourbon women. They join as lifetime members because they support the organization and what we stand for. And once that door opens with membership, it doesn't just open in your city. It opens up to the entire U.S. so that if I want to go to a bourbon women event in Colorado or L.A., you know, or D.C., I just look up where the events are happening for bourbon women and who to connect to. Um, so it's I love when people come in from out of town to Kentucky I love going to the other branches like up in Indianapolis or Chicago. And it's just a ton of fun because now you have your favorite road trips. Mm -hmm. Well, and I was going to say, how do the, the chapters and branches work? 
because uh, like you, you said, there are, you've got the national one, you've got Kentucky as, as home base, but like you said, there are um, 16 uh, around, around the nation. We do. Well, each, uh, you know, we have branch ambassadors who are basically our bourbon women brand ambassadors for the different cities. And so they work on arranging events and finding venues, and they connect a lot of times with local distilleries, local partners to create these events, but they do keep the same theme of the events that we have, which is very educational, very much experiential. You know, we do have places, times where we go and we just have a flight of bourbon, but a lot of times it's more complex than that. It's food pairings or cocktails, or it's a special focus on a certain type of education. So we really, you know, even at the branch level, the branches might have a couple events a year. Some of the branches are extremely active and have five, six, or seven, you know, branch events a year, but we also have virtual events as well. So everybody had to go virtual during the pandemic <laughs> and it was a huge boon to us. Our membership increased by about 20% over the pandemic. We actually which, grew in 2020, which I think is pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and part of that was being able to reach people virtually. So part of our mission now includes those virtual events to reach the people who aren't necessarily close to a branch and can't get to a specific event. They still have events to participate in and education that they get. Right. Well, in, in one of your biggest events was able to come back last year uh, was a symposium. Um, can you talk a little bit about it and then kind of maybe what folks can uh, learn about it here in 2023? Peggy, do you want to talk about it or do you want me to talk about it? Uh, how about we both do? Uh, I'll talk about the beginning of when we started SIP. We call it the SIP now, yeah. you know, for short. And uh, then you talk about the experience last year. Um, we thought, hey, wouldn't it be great to bring women from out of town into Kentucky Again, we've got such a beautiful pedigree and culture and lifestyle here. We wanted to open our doors, you know, and say, come in. So we did. And our very first one, are we on nine now, Heather? We're nine. nine. I counted it up yet last night. Yeah, we're on okay. this year is nine. Okay. So nine years ago, we had 75 women come. And it was, uh, it was great fun. And we did, you know, I did a food pairing. We did some educational tastings. We had a couple, you know, distilleries come in. Uh, and fast forward, you know, to today, we had close to 400 women uh, come in. And Heather's going to talk about how many distilleries participated and some of those stats. But what we found is that these women come from all over, I think close to 30 states they come from. And they've made it an annual pilgrimage now. So a Florida woman meets a DC woman and they connect every year in Kentucky. Aunts are bringing their nieces to come. You know, mothers are bringing their daughters as a rite of passage. You know, grandmothers are bringing their granddaughters. You know, so it's become this evolution of female power. And it, it's amazing. And you can't even, as excited as I still get to talk about it, you can't even describe it unless you're actually in the room with all these women, because yeah. it's not a leadership conference. No. You know, it, they're there to connect, have fun, network. Uh, but we're so grateful. And this is where I'm going to turn it over to Heather to talk about the types of content that we provided and the excursions and how the distilleries stepped up. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So we had over 45 sponsors this past year. So we had 
distilleries from across the U.S. coming in. Um, you know, of course, we have excursions, but we also have something really fun on Thursday before we formally start the program. We have what we call bourbon nerd experiences where, you know, people who love bourbon but have done, you know, the basics they can get a deep dive into a particular topic. And so our distillery partners take, take a crew of women for the day, usually from about 10 o'clock in the morning till three or four in the afternoon. They put them through, you know, we had um, one distillery did blending classes all day. Another did a historical look at their particular um, distillery and then took them to a couple different venues that were located nearby. Um, and then we also have, after all of that on Thursday, we have a reception on Thursday night, which is where everybody gets together for the first time. And it is electric. It is it's like a reunion. It, it is. I, and I always say that symposium, we call it SIP, S-I-P, symposium. It's like a family reunion and a, a girls weekend and a bourbon conference all rolled into one. It is not one thing, it's all of those things. And so on Friday and Saturday, we have more excursions and workshops as well. Um, last year, we had 17 different workshops um, and we had speakers come in from across the country, many of them women. Um, so it, you know, when I look at conference lists of speakers, I check to make sure, do they have some women in there? Um, because it's obvious that there are amazing women to come and give presentations. And what's really fun is the distillers and the presenters bringing content, either that they don't generally share with the public or things that they develop, especially for us, because we know the kinds of things our members love and they work with us. They partner with us and create some really amazing content. We had uh, Jim Beam come in and do the sensory training. They give their sensory team before they start. That was phenomenal. And, yeah. and and, and everybody's like, but, but it's so hard to choose what to go to, you know, couldn't, couldn't we just have the same ones every day, but you know, it's, it, that's part of the fun of it is that you're going to be surprised. You may not be able to get into one of your very first choice seminars, but you may get into something else and it might be life-changing. So, you know, we have those yeah. on Friday and Saturday and Friday night, we have a huge uh, welcome dinner and we get everybody together last year it was at the um, Kentucky Derby Museum which was fun for the out-of-town people um, we're keeping a, a tight lid on what's happening Friday night for now because we like to tell everybody the secrets once we yeah. have it all set and then Saturday more workshops more excursions and then specialty events on Saturday like in a bourbon house dinners where people, you know, match with particular hosts like Peggy and Susan Regler uh, and Monica Wolf as well, and have these small intimate dinners hosted by particular distilleries. And, you know, there may be between 12 and 25 people there wow. and it's supremely executed. It's one of the most fun things in the entire weekend. And then Sunday this year, we had more excursions on Sunday morning. We were surprised people wanted. We to were dying. Out. We couldn't. Really, we were like, how do you women have all this energy? We were dying on Sunday. And they were like, let's go. Another excursion. And they've been there since Thursday. And I'm, I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm just still rocking. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And honestly, Peggy's right. People do come in. They drive in so they can take all of their bourbon home. Yes. Tell I'm them not how, even uh, joking. We had one woman take home how many bottles? Uh, she, she filled the entire 50, back of her SUV, 50 bottles or something oh, crazy. Yeah. Um, cause they're all, all bourbon hunting. And I have to say one of the things, my takeaway that I'm so proud of is when a distillery who did an excursion or speaker, uh, that we had come in 
they'll come up to me and say, oh my God, Peggy, SIP was amazing. The women were so attentive and we couldn't believe the quality of questions um, that, that they asked. I mean, they do their homework. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're, I, I'm just so very proud of that because when the distilleries and they do zillions of speeches, you know, over, over the course of the year, but when they come in and compliment your audience, um, that's pretty special. Well, like I said, it's a it's a special organization. And for those that want to learn more, bourbonwomen.org is where I'm guessing they can find find most or or be able to attend an event. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's an events uh, page on there as well. You can see events anywhere that we're having that are scheduled. You know, we usually have, you know, four to six weeks ahead of time, try to have ticket sales out there, but also watching our social media channels. I mean, we on the national social media channels, we connect to all the events that the branches are doing so that the people, so that you can see what's going on in South Carolina or Atlanta or Florida, because we want people to be able, like Peggy said, you know, if it's a virtual event to join from anywhere, but also if you're traveling, like I, my brother's in Chicago. So if Chicago's having an event up there, you better bet I'm going to go. Well, and, and I also have to ask a few other questions about a little bit about yourselves, because obviously you, you all have some amazing talents as well. Peggy, I need to hear the story of how you came up with Heather's nickname. How did all of that come about? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. How many years ago was it, Heather? Uh, 20. uh, It was at the Valentine event we did that he said, she said. Uh, it was No, it was when um, Susan, you were doing when it was the last year that Susan was president. And I came to your house because I had done the uh cocktails for that and when oh, i walked in the door okay. you said oh look it's the cocktail contessa and i said Can that's I that's that? it that's <laughs> it heather heather took on a real had a, a different career uh and she just took on an affinity for making cocktails it just really fascinated her and we would watch her and she would make these concoctions i call them concoctions uh and you know always she'd bring them to the board meeting or she'd bring them over to the house and so susan we were given Susan Regler her kind of going away as president party. And you came in with your batch, if you will. Bags. <laughs> and yeah. And, you know, I, it was just one of those things, because if you've ever met Heather, you know, she's first class. So it wasn't like she was going to be, you know, the cocktail girl or the <laughs> cocktail chick or whatever. I mean, she has more class in that, you know, so it was contestant. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it just stuck and it fit her. And now she uses it across the nation. And I'm thrilled because <laughs> that's what we do is build women's brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just been wonderful. And, and if you look right over her shoulder, you see the cover of her book um, that was inspired by bourbon women, but fully written uh, by Heather. Yeah. As I was say, Heather, does- how much do you love that name? <laughs> Cocktail Contessa or bourbon is my comfort food. Either, either one. <laughs> Both of them. You know, bourbon is my comfort food. I came up with a bunch of different possible titles and I sent them over to the, uh, and I ran a past Peggy and Susan because they were really mentoring me through the book process. And I've sent it to a whole bunch of people. And I'm like, that is really the feel that I have for bourbon. I want it to be approachable. I want it to be yeah. fun. One of my passions is really getting people who think they don't like bourbon 
to like bourbon. And one of the things I kind of fight against is the tendency for people not to call themselves bourbon drinkers if they just drink it in a cocktail. And I think there are thousands, probably millions of people who love bourbon in a cocktail who don't call themselves bourbon drinkers because they think they can only do that if they drink it neat or on the rocks. And so the whole point of the, the, you know, the title of the book is making bourbon approachable and getting more people, especially women, right, to drink bourbon, say they're bourbon drinkers and to enjoy it. And if you've ever had, you know, just as an example, a cocktail from Cocktail Contessa, you know, she might say, oh, here, Peggy, have one of my whiskey sours. But I know it's not just the whiskey sour. (laughs) I know that she has beaten the egg whites and she has done all of this other preparation for it. And and you take a taste and you just you just taste quality. And and thank you, Peggy. I was going to say, how much fun do you, did you have with the book? And then also just when you're just kind of having fun making these cocktails, because if you haven't, you need to follow her on social media because it's amazing to see the the pictures and, and the quality of work that you put out, but how much fun is that for you? Oh, it's loads of fun. It's so much fun. I was prepping for a class two nights ago that is all about bourbon and bitters, which is one of my favorite classes to teach. And I was trying to decide which chocolate bitters to use. So I had four different kinds of chocolate bitters out. I was testing them. I was handing them to my husband to taste. I'm like, Hey, can you pick out which one's the expensive one? And he got it right. He was so excited. (laughs) He's like, I win. Um, but yeah, I get in the kitchen. I demolish the kitchen in about 30 minutes, uh, bottles of liquor everywhere, simple syrups everywhere, but you know, I don't stop until I get it right. I I will play with She made me eggnog at Christmas. I should mention that. It was the best eggnog I think I've ever tasted. And I couldn't wait because, you know, I'm a flavor fanatic. And I was like, okay, I taste amaretto. I think I taste amaretto in this. So I'd have to talk. I was like, okay, Heather, tell me literally what you put in. Because you never know what she's going to sneak into a cocktail for that extra punch. Yeah. And see, like you said, bourbon is a comfort food because you are a chef. Uh, You're just using different ingredients than what most think. I call them bar chefs. Bar chef. I'm a liquid chef. Yeah. Liquid chef. Yeah. Liquid chef. And, you know, car, you know, part of what I do came from what Peggy does with food pairings with bourbon, because when you can match particular flavors that you get in a bourbon with a food item, you can do the same thing with alcohol. So a lot of what I'm able to do is because of all the food pairing trainings that she's done with bourbon women <laughs> over the years, that's really expanded how to think about bourbon and how it combines with flavors, just period. And, and Peggy, obviously you, you've had a, a an amazing career still is still going, obviously, but what's it like for you? I mean, whether it's writing a book, doing the consulting, you know, being part of bourbon women and, and doing things like this, what's so much fun about all of that? Or, or what's your favorite part, I guess? You know, I, I will say, and I think it's just my personal nature, um, is innovation. You know, what's next? Because our bourbon world moves very quickly. And if you look at all the brands that have come onto the market, even in the last 10 years, uh, it is amazing how many people are getting into the industry and doing things differently, whether it's contemporizing a brand through their packaging, you know, whether it is events that have never been seen before, you know, in education or style, um, it's, it's ever changing. So I think what's always kept me so motivated, and I think Heather knows this about me, I'm always looking at down the road. I'm always looking kind of strategically what's next, whether it is a flavor innovation, whether it is a blending, whether it is um, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, which I helped with. Um, 
you know, whatever the case might be. So that's what I think keeps me going in the industry. So more to come from me for sure. <laughs> well, I love to hear that. And I, I guess my, my last question for the both of you is, is for those women that are interested in either getting into bourbon or maybe into the industry in general, what, what advice do you have for them or what, what should they be thinking about? Well, Heather, why don't you talk about the foundation? Cause that's a great way to help them. Absolutely. So you took the words right out of my mouth. So the Bourbon Women Foundation is really, first of all, I would say for anyone who's interested in bourbon, trust your palate, trust what you trust, what you taste, develop your palate, um, love what you love and don't let it anyone tell you any different. Just know that women love great whiskey. That's, that's the first thing I would say to anybody who's interested in bourbon and whiskey, but also getting into the industry, the Bourbon Women Foundation is a foundation that we started in 2021. It's relatively new. It's a 501c3. So it is a nonprofit as well. And it's going to help bring women into the industry. Um, right now we're doing programs where we bring people to SIP. We match them up with mentors and we get them connected to people in the industry at SIP. One of the other things about SIP that's fun is even people who aren't presenting, who are leaders in the industry come and they may, you may sit next to someone who runs a distillery and you yeah. won't know it until you start incredible conversation with them. And so, you know, one of the things that the mentors do is they make sure they know who the women need to meet, who they want to connect with and help make those connections happen. Because between our leadership on our board and just the other people in the industry, we all want to see more women in the industry. And, you know, one of the things about the foundation is helping with scholarships and grants where we can, but also honestly making those connections to get women connected to one another or to allies in the industry who recognize the need for more diversity in the industry overall. I think I, you know, I'll take kind of the other side of the fence because she did that so beautifully. Um, when I, and I coach and mentor many, many women. Um, and so when, when a female comes to me and says, Hey, I'm interested in getting in industry, what we do it looks so romantic sometimes and, you know, being in the whiskey industry and the cocktail making and the big events that we attend and, you know, all of that, but behind the scenes, my, my real question is how hard do you want to work? You know, this is a real roll up your sleeve, run faster, harder, longer, you know, than anybody, um, you know, to, to make it in this industry. It, it is, it is truly a uh, work ethic. Um, so I really have to ask that because if they're looking for something kind of part-time-ish or, um, you know, but they want a big title at a, a big company, you know, it's not for you. Um, but if they're really willing to put in and learn uh, the industry, because that's the big thing. You don't just jump in. You really have to learn. There's a respect level of uh, people who've been in the industry for a long time and the experience they have. And so how much are you going to open yourself up, you know, to that learning uh, and be patient with that learning? And, you know, pretty soon, you know, after rolling up your sleeves a certain amount of times, you, you start to get traction. Uh, and that's when that's kind of the sweet spot when you get traction. And it takes a lot of resiliency uh, to be in our industry because it is it can be very competitive in the product arena, very competitive on a marketing side. Um, so I think resiliency plays a huge role, um, for women to understand in the industry as well. But what I know for a fact is there are so many women like me, like Heather, like our entire board who are like arms wide open, you know, we, we will help anybody 
who really has an enthusiastic, um, how do I say, disposition to get into the industry. Yeah, because sometimes it's just connecting someone with the right person just that, so they can bounce a couple ideas about them. It's, you know, mentoring can, can be very specific, but mentoring can also just be helping people make connections, helping just nudge them in the right direction or helping them see an opportunity that they may not know is there that might work for them. So it, you know, it doesn't have to be difficult, it, it, you know, or, or challenging, difficult is not the word, right word. It doesn't have to be challenging to be a mentor, but if you can just nudge people a little bit and get them headed in the right direction and support them and make them feel supported, they're willing to do the hard work. Like, right. you know, Peggy said, they're willing to roll up their sleeves, do the work and make the progress that they need to make to improve and, you know, make it better for women in the industry across the entire industry. I, I love that. And like I said, it's a special organization and, and Peggy and Heather, thank you for sharing so much in, uh, about bourbon women and, and like I said, bourbonwomen.org for, for more. And, and, and thank you all. Thank you for having us. Yes. My you pleasure, need to come Jonathan. to one of our events, Jonathan. <laughs> You I do. Would love to. You're in Lexington, and so you're within driving distance. This <laughs> is true. This is true. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.